welcome to episode 36 of the Brood Sages, Stormbound players with a head for the game. I am Freeloader, and with me as always is Sabaiku. Sabaiku, how's it going tonight? Fantastic. <laughs> we are the Brood Sages, easily the second best Stormbound related podcast in production. And as a reminder, you can always follow us at Brood Sages on Twitter. Or for all of you who ever wanted two tickets to paradise, our email address is thebroodsages at gmail.com. So, Sabaiku, we have a bunch of community news uh, uh, put together, compiled by our fantastic sports correspondent, Dirk. Uh, I'm going to uh, do my best to fly through this as quickly as possible because we have a boatload to talk about tonight. We don't want to miss any of this community news, but we do need to leave some room to talk about. I don't know if you heard, but there's some changes coming to the game. <laughs> what, really? Yeah, That's I incredible. I should we... read about that while you go through this update from Dirk. There we go. All right. So you read up. Here we go. All right. Uh, Draftbound is now in its fourth week. It just ended. This contest has been very fun so far and refreshing. A lot of people are still enjoying it, both new equals players and veterans. Dirk has spared us from naming all of the winners from weeks two, three, and four since the last episode with a tourney update uh, only covered week one. Um, here are the recurring winners so far. Grim, Mac313, Forever Zero, Arthas Rue. Honestly, not surprised by a single name on that list. They're all fantastic players. All fantastic equals players and ranked players, and uh, congrats to all of them. Indeed. Moving on from there, we have the Collector's Joust. It just ended after moving slowly for the first few weeks. Winner, Dennis. His first ever first place finish. Congrats, Dennis. The first Faction Wars season since it started up again is almost over. One week left. Winter has dominated the first week, but Shadowfan managed to pull back quite well in week two. Swarm and Ironclad aren't doing so well so far. Faction Heroes has now turned into a weekly contest as well. The way Faction Heroes works, if you don't remember, is as follows. All participants have one week of time to win as many matches as possible to become the Faction Hero for their faction. After, all, uh, after that, all the participants who are not a Faction Hero get to challenge the heroes and gather as many points as possible. But you are only allowed to use a single deck against all heroes. We now have a tournament called the Craft and Draft Tournament. In this tournament, players try to predict which cards their opponent is going to use. For every correctly predicted card, you are allowed to choose one card the opponent has to put in their deck. After that, you and your opponent draft decks by taking turns to pick two cards at a time from a card pool decided before the drafting process starts. Little complex on that. Yeah, no, it sounds great, though. I would like to see all of the participants here pick our terrible cards of the week. Make sure that those are included in their opponent's deck. All right, moving on from there. Uh, you know what, Dirk, you gave us a little sneak peek of for the next two upcoming tournaments. Are you tired of all contests being held with level one cards and 10 base health? Well, stay tuned. Uh, there is a hint. Kitty's new book opening simulator, which you can find, of course, on stormbound-kitty.com. All right, deep breath. Recenter ourselves. We have patch notes. Yay. I know. <laughs> so let's get through. Uh, we have a bunch of balance changes to Baiku. Well, we're going to uh, read them in a slightly different order than from in the patch notes to try to make them flow better for our podcast. So please bear with us. Let's start with the nerfs. Sabaiku, walk me through the nerfs. 
Yeah, the first nerf, Ironclad, getting hit once more, but a very Ooh. minor nerf, very minor. Destructobot now can inflict damage to friendly structures as well as friendly units. So before, if you had a structure on the board, but no units, you could play Destructobots and be safe that you were going to suffer no ill effect from the on-play effect. Now, if you do have, say, an unstable build that you tossed at your uh, at your front line, just kind of lock down the front, it'll take one damage from your Destructobots. It's not a huge change, but it's a good change. It's It just makes Destructobots uh, slightly worse. Yeah, my first reaction to this was, uh, congratulations, all you ironclad mains. Sheepyard Claws has come six months early. Enjoy the free fusion stones. Um, now that I think about it a little bit more, though, one of the things that um, has struggled or has, has challenged me at times is when my opponent is playing a level five, let's say, true shot, and I'm uh, my Siege Breakers is only level four. Uh, those kinds of like single point differences when I'm below my opponent uh, really hurt from time to time. They, they're really impactful for the game. So this is kind of like that, right? It's, it's just, we're going to take one of your towers and we're going to turn it into a level four instead of a level five or a level three instead of a level four, whatever. I think it matters. It does. Look, one strength does matter. The difference between level four and five or level three and four or whatever, it can make a big difference, especially when you're trying to play in something like the Heroes League where, um, you know, it, punching up is harder and mm. being on equal footing with your opponent is more important. Um, you know, I said unstable build earlier. That's the first one that came to mind for me because it's the structure I definitely see the most even after the nerf that it just received Mm -hmm. yeah because it's the cheapest tower i mean that's still the fact and the fact that now it can take one damage from destructor bots means some of the time maybe it lasts one less turn on the board right and that Mm -hmm. that makes a big difference maybe they drop it at nine strength it takes three points of damage on their turn and it goes down to six they play destructor bots and it goes down to five now all of a sudden it's something you can clear for one or two mana right right yeah um it's i think that this change is minor yes i I want to make that clear very minor change but it's just enough that i think that it does help and 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 frankly, I mean, if you want to give some credit to Sheepyard, here's a, a, a space in which I think they've done very well, um, which, which are minor yet impactful tweaks to cards that don't remove them from play. They don't get nerfed out of existence, but the overall combined power level just kind of comes back into the fold a little bit. I agree. I agree. And speaking of nerfed out of existence, let's talk about the change to Counselor <laughs> Ami. I spoke too soon. Uh, okay, well, walk me through this. Counselor Ami will now consider surrounding units instead of surrounding enemies with regards to the uh, strength-growing ability that it has. Mm. Now, this is not impactful on three mana, four mana, when you're just trying to build Ami up. Where it makes a difference is late game when you're trying to get those 
three or even four Ami plays per turn, now all of a sudden stacking Ami up to a point where it's unreasonable and clogging the board is a lot harder. You need to have more front. You need to have more room to operate. So this should limit the growth without changing the core mechanic, which we do like. I think we are both on record as saying it. It's really neat. It's really fun. Uh, it's really interesting, and it's unique. We like all of those things about it. Yeah, I, I mean, taken taken at face value, right? Like one of the things that I always look at whenever I see anything like this is I say, well, what's the what's the edge case, right? So the edge case is I've got ninety nine mana. Uh, the board is empty, but I've got front. Uh, and in that case, I've just reduced by fifty percent the number of Amis I can play that turn. Is that is if if my math is correct? Unless there's some sort of like hexagonal closed packed uh, uh, lattice structure we can create with it, I'm pretty sure that that just cut Ami in half. Yeah, I think in general use, instead of being able to say play Ami on every available tile on your baseline, now you can only play it on every other tile. Right. Uh, and that that matters because in in if the point of playing an Ami deck is trying to ramp that Ami up as quickly as possible to the to, till it becomes just too big, reducing by fifty percent the numbers of t- number of times you can play it per turn means two things: one, it's growing slower, and two, you're likely floating mana. Right, and so in order to not float mana, you have to play things in your hand that are not Ami, right? You have to be mm-hmm. able to keep your front advanced. You have to be able to uh, still play cards. So I think the incentive here is to play things that aren't Ami to move your front and then play Ami behind it. So instead of playing Ami three times a turn, you're playing maybe like two Amis and gifted recruits and uh, green prototypes, say, right? You just want to be able to move your front, clear some stuff out of the way, and then play Ami behind it without sacrificing the strength gain that you've been building up for the game. Right. Uh, I think that uh, this is in response to uh, a deck that uh, our very own Arthas Rue may have uh, uh, put out there. He was achieving something north of 80% win rate, I believe around 85% win rate with it. Luckily, not too much of the meta got hold of of, uh, the build and how to play it right, uh, because that would have been a bit oppressive. So, look, Arthas has always been good. I mean, look at the look at the Chunk Beam or the Greedy Zuri decks he used to play. He's sure. always been good at those beefy mid-range slash control decks where he's controlling the board through positioning, and uh, this fits right into his wheelhouse for sure. Uh, but also, I don't know if you've been on the Stormbound subreddit lately. It is... Probably somewhere around 98% complaints about Ami, <laughs> well, at least been. until the patch notes were, were released, and then it's somewhere around 98%. Thank you for nerfing Ami. <laughs> I, look, the problem that I have with complaining about Ami is that Ami on its own doesn't turn a game, right? Like, I can't use a giant Ami to take over the board i need other things to keep my opponent at bay until i can sort of craft a giant army right build it behind the lines um and so it's t- to me like when i've looked at arthas's builds that he's proposed 
Um, they look excellent, uh, but I've always looked at them and said, okay, if I took out Ami though and put in Zuri, how much worse of a deck would it really be? Like, yeah, maybe it doesn't achieve quite the same win rate, but it's not night and day. Like, like uh, Ami isn't, Ami is the inevitable conclusion, the win condition of that deck that is otherwise being won by things like Edric and Loris and you know, beasts of terror or what other AOEs you're using. Like, and so as much as I'm glad that this means that Ami's going to maybe be blamed less, you're still losing those games if your opponent is playing something other than Ami or likely losing those games if you were going to lose to a giant Ami. You'll just lose to a very thick Ami now. I don't know about that. Uh, I do think that this is a significant change, mm -hmm. right? Like it really does limit the growth and it limits, you know, there's a big difference between playing a 10, 11 and 12 strength on me on the same turn and just playing a 10 and 11 strength See, as well as using some other stuff. That's where I actually disagree. I, I, the, the difference is in how you feel. You watch your opponent do a 10, 11, a 12, and a 13, right? That was just, uh, what is that, 25 and 21? That was 46 health put on the board on that turn. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't come back from that. And you're right. My point is, if your opponent played Edric plus two Amis, right? In the other order, likely. But your opponent plays 10 and 11, that's 21 plus another, I don't know, whatever it is. Uh, you're probably not winning that game either. If they have the ability to play four Amis, they still have the ability to play two Amis, which means you're not pressuring their baseline. And if you're not pressuring their baseline, they have room to play other things as well. Sure, it's not more Amis. And maybe psychologically it feels better but you're still losing the game <laughs> like if an ami can be played you're not winning yeah i i think we'll have to agree to disagree on that i i do think that it does make a difference not being able to play as many in those critical turns and uh especially i'm thinking like around nine ten mana when you're looking to just overwhelm your opponent and uh stop them from being able to advance their front at all really right sure you're looking to just clog up the middle of the board and say this is it you're done now these armies on the board you can trade into them one at a time if you want to but eventually they're going to reach your baseline and the game is over um now is that that's a lot harder is that even feasible anymore i don't think so being forced to stagger them across the board makes a big difference it does it does uh but yeah i mean no i i agree that it won't be the same all i'm saying is in the vast majority of times if your opponent was able to play four amis then they had control of the board. Those situations were not generated usually by Ami. They were generated by the rest of the deck, and the rest of the deck is still there. I don't know. I w All I can say is even games where I managed to play four Amis in one turn, I still often lost. So <laughs> in my point of view, this nerf is completely unnecessary because I could never get Ami to work anyway. Uh, but I understand that at lower leagues, they definitely needed to do something to keep Ami in check. I understand that uh, higher leagues 
Rajoja mentioned specifically that there were high win rate decks in the Heroes League that he thought uh, would spread and and would be very difficult to contain if they didn't make a balance change. So, sure. No, and, I, I, and I if that is the that. case, obviously, you know, we don't have access to the data that Sheepyard has. Uh, but if they thought that that was the case, then I'm glad that they made the change to rein it in now, even though it's only been a month. Oh, no, I totally agree with all of that. I, I just I, I actually am not of the opinion that this buries Ami or makes it unplayable. Um, I, I actually look at this and think, well, yeah, maybe you have to play some other stuff along with Ami on some of these turns. But, you know, on the turn that you could afford to play two Ami mana wise and you were able to before, you probably still are playing, you know, I don't know what it is, GP and two Ami that turn, right? Like it is what it is kind of a thing. Um, later in the game, may- maybe that deck looks to add something like Bucks so you can go Ami, Ami, Bucks kind of a thing. Um, I don't think that this wipes army off the deck uh, off the off the face of the game is what i'm trying to say um i agree it's powered down but you know the 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 posts i saw on reddit in terms of just like look at this board i'm just looking at it and i'm going man if they were able to play half those armies you were already out of the game like all they're doing is rubbing it in at this point <laughs> they they won you know eight armies ago that that's very fair and i am interested to see if people can come up with something that that still works if Ami is still viable. Most, yeah, I think most, it will be. We'll see I, I, what I still comes maintain, up with. Right, exactly. I still maintain that Zuri is better. <laughs> and now uh, I'm more sure of it. Now, definitely. <laughs> uh, Zuri is better in the uh, more aggressive style that I prefer, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but long term, in theory, Ami is better. We'll see if we can get there. Yeah. All right. So let's move on from there. We have some updates to the confusion mechanic. The biggest one here is Sly Boots, which now forces a unit that has been confused by itself to move after it confuses it. Hmm. So kind of kind of like a Sweet Cap and Hair Raising Cats combo together, although it doesn't make the unit attack, which is what Hair Raising Cats does. Um, if there is a unit immediately to either side of the confused unit, left or right, it will potentially move into that unit and attack it, but it will not move backward. It works like a normal confusion rather than like an attack. It remains the same four mana, four, five, six, seven, eight strength, one movement unit that uh, it's always been. But but now, blessedly, it doesn't move into the the unit and just die. Which was one of the problems that we had with it before was I'm going to I'm going to confuse this thing right in front of me and then crash into it. Which is uh, yeah, is something that it always did and made no sense whatsoever. Right. So now ne- now I'm very happy that this is a little more viable. The weird thing though is since the confusion wears off after the move, what you're basically doing is you're saying, Hey, unit in front of me. I want you to either side so that I can take that square. This game, you know, positioning matters so much that I think that's actually fairly valuable, but I don't know how to quantify it. No, it, it can mess up your opponent's plans. It can work kind of like a mini Loris where uh, if your opponent has multiple units next to each other, you can make them attack each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's necessarily strong, but it's budget Loris, and Loris is very good. Yeah, it, it won't, again, reminder, it won't attack backwards, so it's only good if your opponent's units are left and right of each other, 
or towers. It will, you know, like a rock workers, for example, you can use it to just erase the rock worker and the tower. You know, if rock workers was ever played again. <laughs> well, think about uh, Mia next to a true shot, right? Sure. You can, you know, if they're bordering each other left and right, you can make Mia attack the true shot and then still mm-hmm. have hopefully uh some mana left over so you can finish off the true shot um yeah the one thing i am a little bummed about is just the lack of synergy with hair raising cats now now if i use sly boots uh i confuse a unit it moves to the side and then it loses the confusion so now my hair raising cats doesn't do anything Yes, that is true. Although Sly Boots never really had synergy with hair raising cats, because again, most of the time Sly Boots was attacking the unit that it had just confused anyway. Oh, yeah, that's true. But like if it was a giant Dawn Sparks, as an example, on their baseline, which happens sometimes, you know, that wasn't the worst. Mostly thing. just in the brawl. Yeah, I know. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, we have another confusion update. And this one is Excited Mousers, up Mm. from 3 mana to 5 mana, and strength increases from 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, up to 5, 6, 7, 9, 11. This is a reversion of the mana and strength to what it was about a year ago. Excited Mousers, I don't know if you remember, a long time ago got changed from 5 mana to 3 mana. Was it a 9 and 11 health back then as well? Do you remember? I believe it was, yes. Oh, okay. But now, the buff here is removing the condition of needing close friendly units. The ability now counts all friendly units on the board instead of surrounding friendly units. So the ability here will now confuse surrounding enemies, and it will confuse the number of surrounding enemies as you have friendly units on the board. So before, the geographical positioning that you needed to pull off in order to have friendly units and enemy units in close proximity to confuse the enemy units was ridiculous. It was so hard to pull off. It really only worked on your baseline or on your opponent's baseline. <laughs> it it also often meant that um, your units got destroyed. Like, you know what I mean? Like any anytime that you actually managed to, it was like a bad game of Twister. Everything just crashed into everything, you know? Yeah. And now you can just say, look, I'm playing my units up at your baseline and then defensively i'll drop this slide boats on my baseline confuse your units stave off your aggression for a little bit while i'm setting up my own counter attack it's viable for sure um i don't know necessarily how viable it's still difficult to play a, a five mana that doesn't move well yeah but if you're playing so if your opponent has you like somewhat base locked and you place this five mana on your second row. It's it's doing double duty, right? It's it's preventing damage and it's acting defensively. Yep, that is true. But it's it's just a lot of mana to be playing. See, I I think of confusion still. Uh, I think of confusion in two ways. I think of confusion, uh, uh, sweet cap and hair raising as an aggressive. Um, I'm putting units on your baseline anyway. You're gonna trade into them. You're gonna have remnants. I'm gonna get damage off of them. Uh, and then I think of the rest of the confusion cards that are out there more controlling. And this one definitely falls into the more controlling. I think maybe I'm wrong, but but it feels at especially at five mana, it feels more like a control card. It it doesn't feel like an aggressive card 
that that's for sure. I mean, I can't help but compare this to Fluffy Bad Boxers, which is you know, five mana but does move right. and still confuses most of the time your opponent's units to stall out their aggression. But at least it's because it has movement, it's a little more flexible. It can attack, right. it can defend. But but the problem that I have with excited mousers in a control deck. When does a control deck have a bunch of random units around the board, right? Like, Well, sometimes <laughs> your aggressive opponent will ignore your units and move past them. Okay. So you'll have some extra lying around in the middle of the board, and that enables this combo. Maybe. All right. Okay. When would you rather play this in a control deck over Void Surgers is maybe another question. You know, since since the uh, uh, the requirement of three enemy units was was added back in, it, it has been difficult to for me to to really find good void surger value. I've tried playing it a few times, and um, I, it, it's only usually good when when I'm already winning. It's pretty situational, but then again, so is this. Right. Um, would you rather play this over Loris at the five minutes? No, 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 no. Would no, you rather no. play this over Ubis? In a in in a specifically focused confusion deck, probably still not. No. Now, to be fair, we're trying to compare a rare to a legendary, and one of the best in the game, and maybe that's not fair. I also can't decide: is this a nerf, a buff, a burf? We made it more expensive with a with balance change. Yeah, I'm just trying to, just, but. I understand why the change to the uh, effect. I like the change to the effect. This is now a card that could see use if confusion gets picked up as a you know valid you know viable in the meta kind of mechanic. I don't understand the increase in in mana cost and the subs. Like I understand why you give it more stats with the mana cost, but why? I think the increase in mana cost is because it's too easy to combo when it's three mana. You're too likely to get value out of it and apparently they don't want you to get value out of it that consistently it makes it like that's the big problem with confusion decks right i feel like confusion decks confusion's a, a really interesting fun mechanic but getting the combos is a little too difficult and too situational well and right now really the only viable combo is sweet cap and hair raising and melodious has never been really particularly good um all of the other confusion causing cards are kind of too expensive too unreliable or both right. and that's kind of where we are now like with with excited mousers slide boots is actually just better than excited mousers right now i think it still confuses uh well actually no i take that back because slide boots only works on bordering borders not surrounding. surrounding so even then like it's just very limited um I, it's like sheepyard has this idea that confusion is going to be too powerful or too disruptive if they let it go unchecked so even these buffs are really very minor and i don't think they do enough to make the mechanic itself any better so i'm gonna go back several years because you know now that we're both over 40 i have every right to always talk about the golden years uh back when we used to play hearthstone for a while blizzard experimented with this concept of treant druid um they kept giving us cards that created treants that spells that 
put them in play, spells that change minions on the board to treants, like all kinds of stuff, and then things that buff treants. It was like they really wanted everyone to experiment with and try to create a viable meta deck that was centered around treants. And it never got there, (laughs) but they kept trying. Like it was like four or five expansions in a row. They would give us one card or two cards, never all of them at the same time, uh, which was part of the problem, I think. At at some point, it might have been possible to create it if all the cards were in standard simultaneously. And at this point, I kind of feel like we're there with confusion. We keep we keep making changes, we keep making improvements, and, and I almost feel like the thing to do at this point is to just try it out for a month overpowered. Just, just, just whatever it is that you think. Well, we we, we don't want to get there. Like, like for example, Which, let the floodgates move- open. Yeah, open the floodgates for a month. Try maybe confusion. Confused units can move left, right, or back. Oh gosh, give it a that shot. Would be terrible. Try it for a month. Is it really that good? Is it really that powerful that we have to try to tight walk our way around it? My gut tells me it's actually not as good as people think it would be. I think moving units backward on a consistent basis mm-hmm. would be too good. But I also don't I don't think that making the confusion cards cheaper, making the confusion cards a little more reliable to trigger and to play with would be bad. I, I think that it would be perfectly reasonable to have a bunch of well it depends upon three and four mana confusion cards. If if you if you just took all the confusion cards and you made them a little cheaper, you entice rush decks to add a a little a little dose of confusion into them uh because well why not right it's it's the same stats cheaper mana you know the effect is just a bonus well and you know what i gotta go back to that because we had a three mana excited mousers and nobody still played it just because the only way to take advantage of it was to play hair raising cats on the same turn Correct. There's only one card that reliably takes advantage of the confusion mechanic, and that's hair-raising cats. Melodious, like I said earlier, is just not very good. It's good in some situations, um, pretty good, but it's also just four mana. And now you're talking about a minimum six, seven mana that you have to spend with a situational payoff. Like You can't really do that. At least with Sweet Cap and Hair Raising Cats, you're only spending five mana. You're not sacrificing strength for the mana cost. And the upside is pretty good. It's worth it that you can kind of take that hit and put it in your deck if you want to take advantage of that mechanic. Right. Excited Mousers, I'm not putting that in my deck unless I'm really trying to run a deck centered around confusion. And it's just not viable enough to make me want to do that. Right. So that's why I'm saying just make it viable. If confusion was 33% left, 33% right, 33% back. If it's on a side, it's 50% inward, 50% back. Boom. It's probably, to your point, overpowered. But are we sure? Because, boy, we've tried everything else. So yeah. I would I would, I would, would suggest that it might be the only thing that actually brings it into viability. And if from there you need to increase mana costs or decrease power, uh, you know, strength of the units, okay. But as it stands, I think the mechanic itself is just not reliable enough that it really matters what we do to the cards. I don't know. I think maybe the cards aren't there to support the mechanic. Like, I like the mechanic. I think it works well enough. Um, 
you know, I I did spend some time right after they changed the mechanic playing uh, a confusion deck, mm-hmm. and eventually I pared it down to just Sweet Cap, Hair Raising Cat, and Fluffy, Fluffy. and that was yeah. it. Because nothing else really worked. None of the other cards were good enough. But what what you just said is, I took the cards that were decent enough tempo, the cheaper cards with good stat lines, mechanic be damned. And I tried to make the mechanic work when it could, but the rest of the time, at least I was playing vanilla cards with decent stats. To me, I hear the mechanic's not working. The mechanic isn't powerful enough. The only cards worth playing are the cheap ones with good stats. Yeah, you might be you might be right on that. I don't know. So, I really I do like the mechanic and I understand why they keep coming back to it over and over again, but I agree. It's kind of time to go whole hog and see does it actually work or not? If you know it what? doesn't work, then just stop stop messing with it. Make it a brawl. Take the confusion, add additional all confused units Maybe they don't go backwards, but two side-by-side confused units have to attack each other. Something like that. Just whatever the, whatever you want to do to the mechanic to give it the extra gas it needs, try it in a brawl one week. See what happens. Why not? All right. All right. Move on from there. We have some fun updates to the temples to walk us through, Sabaiku. Yeah, the Temple of Space will now only destroy the older copy instead mm. of both temples. And the Temple of Focus will no longer deal self-damage when it pushes units ahead. I I think we're both on the same page here. This is kind of how they should have functioned from the start. Yes. The Temple of Space losing two copies meant you spent six mana just to move units around the board. And that's just not viable. Now you're spending six mana to move units around the board, but you get a structure out of it on either end. You can set up your combo and your opponent trades into the temple. Fine. You've at least gotten some value from playing the structure on the board. If they leave it, you spend three mana and you move units somewhere else on the board, somewhere more advantageous for you, I assume. Uh, and <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> and the temple just stays there holding your front, blocking yeah. your opponent. It, it makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. Um and then Temple of Focus, it's just, they're never, it never really needed to be on a clock, I think. If you got to the point where you were sticking a Temple of Focus and your opponent couldn't clear it, you're probably winning that game anyway. You know, <laughs> making making it only last for a few turns instead of permanently doesn't really change anything. No, no, this is fine. I mean, the, the, these are both, I think, uh, exactly the way that they should have been released. Um, I don't mind again, like I, you know, I, I, I don't mind that Sheepyard doesn't want to rock the boat too much. So I don't mind that they introduce them maybe a little underpowered. I'm glad they made the change. The only feedback I would give is just this, this is a good change. You could, you could have made it, could have made it a month after the release. You know, I think we kind of figured out pretty quickly that, that space just lacked value and, and, and focus was focus is what it is. It, you know, the, the, the power tick isn't really doing anything. Yeah, but as a legendary and epic rarity on both of those, I got mm-hmm. to imagine it took quite some time for them to get enough data to understand how the players were really using them, if they were viable. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, the economy of the game being what it is, you just don't get that many games being played with either card. 
Yeah. Okay. No, I'm, you know what? I, I will get right behind that. I'm glad that the changes are being made because I think these are now better cards. I don't think either of them elevates to a meta-defining card, but no. they both can be played. Yeah. And then we have one last update, one which actually I am pretty uh, happy about because I thought you could do this from the start, and I was surprised when you couldn't. So we have a winter update. A random snuck in there spellbinder javana ability change it will now trigger off a friendly unit as well as opponent units and Mm -hmm. right now the only way to freeze your own unit is to play an ice flakes so you can play ice flakes destroy it turn that two mana ice flakes into four mana hopefully that works out well for you um i'm not too positive on this one, uh, this is not something that seems to have a lot of immediate impact to me, but um, I, I, think it, I does. it allows you to cycle through your deck more quickly, which is often Correct. very viable. Um, so it, it, I'm sure it'll get played in that situation. Well, look, there there are times where, uh, you know, if you're playing like a mid-range to controlling deck, there are times where you've got a Jev turn with freebooters. And really your only goal is to try to jazz up as much mana as you can for that. Uh, And it lets you have another proc. Like, you know, mid to late game, I've got... (laughs) I've got Icicle Burst and I've got... um, Frost Hexers. Now I've got a third. It's in the deck anyway. Um, it's the least ideal of the three, but when you need it, it's just good to have. Yeah, maybe it gives you a little more consistency with your Javana. Mm-hmm. Make sure you always have something to combo with it. But well, yeah, if you're trying to combo that with Freebooters, it's a really hard three cards to find together. This way, it's two cards you have to find together, and any one of three others, and that's just easier. That's fair. Um... It's. I think you lose a lot of the value from the Javana. What you're trying to do with Javana is you're trying to not just gain extra mana on your turn, but also the tempo play of removing your opponent's unit. Right, like Correct. that's that's not an insignificant part of the value that Javana provides. Is that you're taking a unit off of the board and turning it into your own four mana unit? Mm-hmm. No, no, for sure. Like I said, it's not the most ideal of the three, but but card cycling being what it is in the game, I actually think that this is helpful at times. Helps you get to that MERS token faster. Exactly, or harvester token. Um, it is worth noting that um, it's only on the turn you play it that the ice flakes is frozen. It unfreezes itself to start the second turn. So you'd only be able to do it by playing both on the same turn. So mana six or later. Yeah, my first thought when I read this was, oh, my, in a mirror match, I my opponent freezes my unit. I can clear my frozen unit and make a lane for runners and then realize, no, nope. it thaws at the start of the turn. That just doesn't work. There's right now no use case other than ice flakes for this, which leads me to believe that there's something else going on. And in the future, we're going to see a new card that um, maybe, maybe takes advantage of the freeze mechanic a little bit more. Yeah, like for example, in on death, right? So I'm playing against you, Sabaiku. I play a unit um, that on death freezes all surrounding enemy units kind of a thing and uh, i place it defensively i hit go at the start of your turn your units walk into it pop it and freeze everything around it now there's no room for runners ha ha and you'd be able to javana away one of the units and make room for a runner as an example maybe we'll see where sheepyard takes this it'll be interesting (laughs) for sure 
All right, so that's all of the updates to existing cards, but we're not done yet. So, Baiku, we have a new card. The long-awaited next temple, the temple of the mind. mind so the mind. Shadowfen one, right? No, this is actually a neutral common <laughs> card, which uh, works further with the fixedly forward mechanic that was introduced with the Headless Hotheads. Hmm. It's a three-mana tower with two, three, five, six, seven strength, so okay. pretty decent stats Not for bad. the mana cost, yeah. At the start of your turn, give fixedly forward movement to a random non-hero unit card from your hand. Then kill all friendly confused units. So it does a couple of different things there. Uh, the first thing is hand buff. Does it wear off when you cycle the card, when you play the card? Both, neither. We kind of don't know anything about it yet but it will at least give something in your hand fixedly forward. Uh, Non-hero, because I assume they're really worried about what you would do with Siren when that happens. <laughs> um, you, not Ubis. They're not really worried about fixedly forward Ubis. You know, he'll, he'll go fixedly forward eventually. <laughs> you know, actually, that's, that's a, a very good point. I think the only legendary with, that can move multiple squares is a siren no tigor still is a thing also yeah, yeah so, tigor. so okay. there's there's a couple that it could work with uh but i i go to units that move multiple tiles because that's the use case that it seems to be best for you want it for runners you want it for hearth guards you want it mm. for grim couriers maybe right like a, a three movement that's cheap and just shoot straight up the board uh maybe the new uh, Eternal Ethereals or Ethereal Eternals uh, with you know the new eight mana three movement ancient that was just introduced. I could definitely okay. see a use case there. Mia would trigger this, so correct for five mana. You could give your Hearth Guards fixedly forward. You have a little a more tower. control over it. Yep, if you have Mia for sure. And you're right. This is a structure, a cheap structure. So you mm -hmm. do kind of want to pair it with Hearth Guards. It's something you could try to work with. Um, maybe you could use just use it with something cheap. Uh, you know, we've always talked about how Swarm has an advantage having Doppelbox because it moves through a front in contested areas where kind of nothing else does. Well, now gifted recruits could move in the same way as Doppelbox, right? Yeah. I, I wonder what happens in a situation where, like, let's say uh, I, I play it early because of whatever, and it hits the card I want. And I know we've already said we don't know what happens in this situation, but it hit the card I want. Am I now stuck having to hold that card in my hand until the turn I want to use it? Gosh, I hope not. Right? Or can I just cycle it and, and it'll still be fixedly forward when it comes back? Because if I have to hold it in hand, this could be a detriment at times. You could just be like, oh, I'm glad it hit that, but I need it to hit that two turns from now sort of a thing. Exactly. It, it would really mess up your cycling. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see how this goes. And then the other part of this, killing all friendly confused units. Mm, yeah, I'm not okay. really sure why confusion is not really particularly viable or popular right now. Well, it is after everyone starts playing Temple of the Mind. Excited Mousers gets really good really fast. There you go. It's the best AoE in the game. You play Reign of, <laughs> Reign of Frogs, Excited Mousers, hit go. <laughs> oh my god, that would be so dumb. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not sure, like... 
what the thought process was about i mean i get i i guess if it was destroy all your opponent's units with confusion now we've got a real tower for the confusion mechanic this is starting to get sexy but it's all your own units that are confused when's that even going to happen when your opponent plays the new sly boot <laughs> Um, I love hand buffing. Hand buffing was like hand buff paladin back in Hearthstone days. One of my favorite decks. Just so much fun. Um, I hope we see a lot more of this. Things that impact the stats in your hand is awesome. Uh, so that part of it, I am super excited about the confusion thing. Well, it's confusing. Hey yo. <laughs> All right. I want to point out that this card is available July second, not July first. Mm. So hold on to your end of season coins before you buy noble books if you are interested in getting this card. It, it, actually, funny enough, this card on July 2nd and Headless Hotheads are the only two cards in the game I don't currently have a copy of. So I don't have any fixedly forward. Well, for My only units. $10, you can get 10 <laughs> copies of the Temple of Mind along with coins and fusion stones. Hmm. I will consider it. All right, let's move on from there because this next section, Subaiku, is the section I am most excited about. We took way too long to get into here, but there are updates to the brawls. And the wait was worth it, folks. Following the revamp of the brawl from June, mm. this release is going to bring four new and unique brawl modifiers. So, First confusion. Nope. As we talked about and as we have been playing for the month of June, there are now three levels of Brawl, Casual, Warrior, and Ultimate. Um, but all the Brawl modifiers were still the same old ones we've been playing. And the fact that they were level constrained made them a little more interesting. I'm thinking specifically of the Aftershock Brawl, where the structures with a yeah. level 1 Mia instead of a level 5 Mia uh, really required a lot more planning and a lot more positioning strategy from your opponent. Um, not for me, because I never had a level 5 Mia, so I always had to think <laughs> about it. Uh, but now we get some new Brawl modifiers. The first one, Pure Amalgamation. Oh, gosh, I love this. Both players are forced to play the same deck at the same levels. The deck will be randomly composed of six cards one of the players chose to put in their deck and six cards from the other player's deck. <laughs> There's no duplicates. So if both of you have gifted recruits and, and it chooses gifted recruits from both of you, if one of you has a higher level, it'll go with the higher level version. What you said there, both players are forced to play the same deck. Yes, exact same deck. It's not like you're getting half of your deck and half of your opponent's deck and your opponent gets the other half. Nope. You both get the same halves of each deck, which is card just going to be weird. Mm -hmm. The best part about it, neither of you know what you have until the game starts. <laughs> that's right. So you'll be going through the deck, cycling away cards, and that's your clue as to what your opponent could be playing because yes, how do you cycle what what do you like, do i have a better card in the deck to play here than this oh great <laughs> point <laughs> i i have four mana i have say uh gifted recruits and lawless herd well do i want to throw that away trying to get something like saber paws because i want movement or do i just say you know what i can fill my curve and that's good enough good enough <laughs> <laughs> i know i'm, I'm staring i'm like I, I, I have 
one card I can play on four mana, and I have a like you know two five mana cards. At least I know I can throw one away and, and keep the other, right? But in a situation where everything's heavy and I've got one five, and it's like, ah, if I throw it back, do I get anything better? Or am I? I just... can play Ubis at my baseline for no value, or I can throw it away and try to get something which might be even worse. <laughs> I love this idea. The worst part about it, though, uh, uh, f- f- in terms of giving me a headache, is I'm trying to decide, is it more advantageous to just throw a whole bunch of guns in a deck and say, let's go? Or is it more advantageous to like try to build a deck with like avian stalkers and wetland deceivers and just a bunch of bad stuff and say, okay, let's see. So you can't give bad stuff to your opponent because you get the same bad cards in your deck. Well, yeah, but I was planning on playing with bad cards in the first place. What if they do the same thing and your whole deck is avian stalkers and chill beards? And then you find out like you don't even realize that's happening until you notice that the chill beards is level four. And you're like, wait a minute, that's not my chill beards. That's his. Oh gosh, I, I this is going to be a barrel of laughs. If nothing else, I think it's going to be incredibly funny and fun. There's going to be combinations of stuff. The crazy thing about it is it's going to be multi multi faction. Right. It'll be half Shadowfen and half Swarm or whatever the two factions are. Uh, that's super exciting. Never been done before. There's going to be combinations of cards no one's thought up that have suddenly are in play. And you can't plan for it. That's the no. worst part. No, you can. <laughs> it's not like you can say, okay, I want this uh, Venom Fall Spire from Shadowfen because I'm putting together a Mia deck. You can't plan for that sort of thing because you Correct. never know what you're going to queue into. Or even which half of your deck is going to show up. Right? You're playing a winter deck and you think to yourself, all right, I got my freezes. I got my Giovanna. Well, what do you do if Giovanna's not in your deck? What do you do if Giovanna is in your deck and your opponent also has Giovanna? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and neither of you have freezes. So you just have a four mana eight zero. <laughs> Good luck. One thing about this that I am rather excited about and I haven't heard yet. I hope that these become modifiers to the friendly challenge screen because I could see you and I just like getting bored one night and putting an hour or two into trying to create Mia decks with other towers or whatever it is, like just like crazy combinations like that. Like queue it up. Do we have the right cards? No. Okay. Undo it. (laughs) Start again. Get that Mia and Tower of Focus energy. Oh, yes. Um, Yeah, this is this is going to be interesting. It's not as random, I think, as people are fearing because you're playing the same deck as your opponent. It's really going to come down to, yes, who draws better, but also who adapts their play style better, who understands what the cards are capable of better and who positions better. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, this is actually one of the most skill intensive brawls that are out there um, because there isn't even necessarily a guarantee of some sort of overpowered. None of the cards are or, or none of the stats are improved. So it's it's not like it's a two mana, you know, sharp fist or whatever. It, it, these are just standard stats. So yeah. it really will come down to skill level of play and adaptability. Kind of like a draft bound deal, I guess, maybe. Yeah. Like yeah, a draft I bound where so. you where you don't quite get the synergies that you were hoping for. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, moving on from pure amalgamation, which by the way will be 
the only brawl this coming time. All three will exist. The 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 uh, the effectively equals the warrior and the ultimate. So you'll be able to play it at any one of the three levels, but it will be the same exact brawl this coming week. After that, we have fights of threes. So, Mikey, what is this? A player cannot place more than three units on the board. Mm. Uh, I don't know if this means that if you play a fourth unit, it will destroy one of the units on the board. If it does, would that be random or would that be the first one played on the board? Would it be the one furthest ahead, the one furthest behind? Or can you just, you have three on the board, you can't play another one until one of them dies. Uh, We don't really know how this is going to go yet. Uh, But you definitely don't want a ton of units to get together in your deck. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck with a lot of cards you can't use. We do know that if you play spells that generate units, that's okay until it's more than three. The spell still goes off. You still spend the mana, and then the unit, like uh, from Summon Militia or Call for Aid or, or, or Head Start, the unit just gets destroyed. So, so in those cases, we know the spell can be played, and the unit is then scrapped, the one that is generated from the spell. So yeah, we don't know what happens when you try to play a unit, though. Nope. Uh, I definitely see this going in the structure and buff direction, Mm -hmm. right? Like I see this being a very ironclad heavy brawl. I think you're going to want something like Siege Assembly and Mia, uh, Upgrade Point, and a few Constructs, um, Fort Tonic, Boosting Elixir, right? These are all things where you can put units on the board and take advantage of them in order to play spells. Yep. But yep. maybe you go a different way. Maybe you go uh, hard into the winter, right? Winter spells yep. to stall uh, underground springs for life gain. Mm, not where I thought you were going. I was going to say cons runners because it turns out when the runners go into base, they don't count as units on the board anymore. <laughs> oh, good point. Good point. No, I was thinking about cons runners for the next brawl. Ooh. Thin no man's land. Okay. The initial front line starts on the second row instead of the first and cannot fall lower than the second row. So rather than starting on your baseline, you're starting one row out. And uh, to me, this says jam the deck full of runners and go. Yeah, I actually I, I think you're right. Uh, I think both of these are good for, for runners decks. Um, then no man's land. I've got to think about this. So, so, so anything that you play on turn one with movement ends up in the middle of the board, literally the middle row of the board. Correct. That's crazy. If you've got four mana and you have GP and Shady Ghoul, say, you can just go right onto your opponent's baseline. Saber Paws and GP to open, Saber Paws and Gifted for, oof, yeah. Saber Paws and Restless Goat, you've already done damage. (laughs) Well, that's just the way. But that's just the way Swarm likes to play it. All right, so that's that is going to be now. The front games. line starts on the second row. That doesn't mean you have to play on the second row. You can still choose to play on your baseline if you okay. want to be yeah. a little more conservative. If you're playing something a little slower, um, or, or a tower, or if it's positionally advantageous for you to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I would not be trying to stick a tower though. It's just so much easier for your opponent to clear. Yeah, that's true. Less space for them to go. It, mm-hmm. it, I like that they're introducing this brawl that plays with the front line. We've talked so much on this podcast about 
how cards that play with the board and play with positioning are interesting and take advantage of the unique mechanics of this game. And this is another way to do it, right? Play with the brawl modifiers in such a way that it plays with the board rather than the cards. I would so much rather have things that mess with frontline than it's just here's another four strength for pirates or, you know, two movement for all the frostlings. Yeah. None, none of the, none of the brawls that we've described so far. In fact, none of the new brawls change mana or stats of units, which is really cool. Yep. They're all playing with, with cards and playing with the board, which is neat. Uh, moving from there into our last one, speaking of uh, just throw a confusion modifier into the brawl, Sheepyard already heard us and they said, sure, fine. How about this? Stunning attack. Sabaiku, what is stunning attack? Units get confused on receiving any damage. This is going to be nuts. I want to play Reign of Frogs in that in that brawl. Right? Just load up uh, Azure Hatcher and let your opponent get pinged by frogs and all their units are moving around at random and they have no idea what's going on blade storm play <laughs> play ubis any unit that gets pinged gets confused oh my gosh the poison tower oh Venom dear. Fall spire yeah you're gonna see some poison <laughs> oh, no. work here that's a really good point gosh that will be amazing do not play Heliotroopers in that deck. No, no, no. Heliotroopers will never move forward after the first turn. Hmm. Yeah, good point. <laughs> um, so that one's going to be super fun as well. Uh, and it turns out uh, there's also going to be an update to the loss counter that we want to talk about real quick. Um, the loss counter, you know, I've uh, we were we, last time we discussed it, uh, I mentioned that it's just adding to my anxiety of playing on Brawl. Uh, especially once you get above, you know, 50 crowns. Um, they're changing it, though, Sabaiku. It looks like the, the plan is hopefully mid-July to change it from the three strikes and you reset to, to something a little different. Yeah, we don't know too much about it right now. Uh, some screens were shared on the Discord, so definitely go into there and look for posts from Brajoja if you're interested. Um Right now, all we know is that the loss counter is turning into a heart counter in preparation. What that means is up in the air, but we'll get another update to the Brawl game mode soon. Hopefully, it makes things a little more interesting. I got to say, this really this really seems like the direction that Sheepyard wants to go, where they're uh, just over the last month, just really changing the Brawl game mode rather than the ranked game mode. They're saying, yeah, you guys can have your, your fun little Heroes League if you're interested in that sort of competition. But let us show you the cool things that we are working on and the cool ideas that we have. Well, it's, it's, it's yeah, these, these are from the leaks in, in Stormbound. Um, basically, what's going to happen is uh, at some point during the brawl, after a victory, you can choose a victory bonus. So you lose hearts. It appears when you lose a game, but after you win a game, you might be able to choose, for example, uh, a power up, a life up, so that you replenish one of your damaged hearts to kind of give you, you know, more losses before you run out kind of a thing. Um, other options that you might be able to get, for example, are uh, Im- improvements to your fortress so that uh, if you're like a base health 18 or base health 19 and you're just like, I'm going up against all 20s, well, win a couple of times in the brawl, get to your first couple of victory bonuses, 
select tower uh, improvement if you get that as as an option and boom now you're a base health 20 for the remainder of your uh, uh, uh brawl run as well um at least that's what it appears from what he shared again in the discord and he did say in the discord also that you are capped at the base health cap for the brawl it's not like you can continue getting base health upgrades so you're oh, a gosh, base health yeah. th- you're not a base health 30 playing against base health 20s that doesn't work <laughs> That would be pretty amazing. Um, But this concept um, feels a lot like the dungeon runs from from Hearthstone, right? You you remember how you kind of like you started your run and as you won, you could win uh, rewards, better cards, better stats, better whatever, so that your ensuing games, you had a little bit more of an advantage. Yeah, it introduces kind of like a um, roguelike mechanic into this where you're you're kind of building up as you go uh the difference there being obviously in a roguelike you're trying to learn as you go so that when you die you can do better next time you don't really get that option here you're you're just going to uh run out of hearts and no longer partake in the brawl apparently uh uh do we know if that's true i so i don't know I no I, b- I believe running out of heart will just reset you to the previous milestone in right. the same way that three strikes right now resets you to the previous milestone i in all honesty this i find incredible like the new brawls and now this new sort of extra added feature i have to tell you i almost feel like ranked mode is going to become something to do to grind for gold so you can play more brawl <laughs> Like, I'm really excited about this. Like, the Brawl is uh, Stormbound 2.0? Yeah, kind of like, like that's why you play you play the game for the Brawl, because this sounds so much more exciting. And uh, you just kind of, you know, you just kind of grind for gold during the rest of the week to, to be able to afford a, a, a deep dungeon run, a deep Brawl run, you know? Yeah, uh, you know, it really, for me, depends very much on the modifiers. There are some I enjoy mm-hmm. more than others. Uh, I do hope they continue bringing out new ones to keep it fresh. I'm very excited to play with all of these, except for maybe the Confusion one. That's going to be a mess. (laughs) It's going to be so much fun, though. Um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I am looking forward to see where they take the brawl. And, uh, you know, hopefully really in just a couple of weeks, we'll know more. Well, we have uh, pushed this basically as long as we dare go for a single episode. Unfortunately, that means we're going to have to postpone our card of the week, which I won't spoil. You'll have to listen to next episode to learn about it. Uh, And now instead, uh, it's the end of the main portion of the episode, which means it's time for me to remind you to please contact us, preferably in our channel on the Stormbound Discord server, on Twitter, at BroodSages, and you can always email us mkm at thebroodsages at gmail.com we also have an additional way for you to reach out and support us we do have a gumroad account where you can become patrons of our work check out the link on our stormbound kitty page this week we did hear from ubermensch who said ironclad could be so much more fun if its whole mechanic were about the positioning windmakers eloth temple of space sound drivers purifiers I definitely not hate it as much as I do now. <laughs> Great insight, guys. I, I, those are some of the more intriguing mechanics in the game. I really do love board positioning stuff. Uh, and then Joshua H says, Hi, guys. Just recently started listening to the Brood Sages. Well, thank you very much. 
but great episode and thanks for the shout out Sabaiku. I thought the discussion on how rotating three or four cards from your deck doesn't really change the core of your deck was very interesting. I've been trying, not very successfully I might add, to combat this by attempting to avoid using green prototypes and gifted recruits this season, and boy, has it been difficult. <laughs> it definitely feels more rewarding when I win the occasional match, though. Thanks for taking the time and effort for this episode. Good luck in your fights. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. For Sabaiku, I am Freeloader. We are the Brood Sages reminding you to stay hydrated.